turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. KDOW. Streaming now on iHeart.com and Radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. A lot going on out in the world of money. I tend to kind of start with a little bit of a review and get into some of the strategy as the show goes on. A lot of people look at the stock market day to day, so that's kind of what the show is here for. Something to sit around the table and uh, have a little chit-chat, so to speak. Market's lower again today. Stocks are resuming declines. It's starting to turn into a trend. Tech shares are extending the drop. So just opening up a screen of stocks, I can see Facebook's down 2.3%. That's a pretty big down move. Um, other tech stocks like Apple down 2.4%, same thing. Google down 1.1%, not too bad. Uh, but yeah, you could certainly feel that the market's turned a corner and they're looking for other things to make money on other than the same old, same old. We're looking for bonds. We're looking at value. We're looking at growth other than tech. We're looking at reopening. Jerome Powell yesterday talked about inflation. And he said it's not going to be a big problem. That's ultimately his, is it called a surmission? When you surmise? That's his surmission? Let's go with that, okay? Monetary policy can remain extraordinarily accommodated for quite some time, according to Jerome Powell. That should have been good enough for me. Ultimately, the dips that we get right now on Wall Street Largely potentially represent a buying opportunity. If you believe in the buying on the dips, if you believe that Jerome Powell's correct, that he's going to be able to manage inflation and keep monetary policy cheap. 
to be fair, it can't be that simple, can it? And to be correct, sometimes by the dip will eventually not work. Right now, by the dip has worked until it doesn't work, right? The only thing more uh, positive for you that I could come up with is federal stimulus, government stimulus, on top fiscal stimulus, on top of the monetary stimulus we're getting. We have a pretty good scenario going on right here. I don't know if you're with me and or against me on that one. Uh, so the buy the dip market participants, they're out there. Am I buying on the dip? I buy every two weeks my 401k. Do I like dips? I do. Am I trying to time the market right now? Uh, I do have a little extra cash and I'm trying to, I'm waiting to see, are we going to break from the, buy the big cap, uh, cap tech? But that's really not even a big enough. For me, it's that not, I'm not holding to hold. I'm not like, you know, being miserly about it. 10 year treasury is up four basis points at 1.4%. 30 year bond now sits at 2.27%. Um, long-term rates are going up. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing for the economy. And in the end, the economy pushes earnings. Earnings pushes the stock market in the long term. Monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus is nice in the very short to middle term. That's kind of what we're seeing right now. Do you feel comfortable? Are you invincible on the buying the dip? I've been, like I said, I've been using my 401k. Let's just imagine since I was a child. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, 401ks. So, Johnson, uh, let, let me explain that real quick. I think the number one way for most Americans to get rich is the idea of maxing out your 401k. Um, you're going to, in between here and there, you're going to do things like, hey, I, I heard about this great company, Apple, or, or, or this great fruit company. Tom Hanks. That's even funnier today now. Um, but I'm totally digressing. Am I not? Life's a box of chocolate, Forrest. So I think after the Vietnam War, Forrest got somehow invested in Apple computers. So updating that story would he'd be probably a billionaire now instead of just a billionaire. Anyhow, I'm uh once again, sides jumping. So Johnson Johnson COVID vaccine just got approved by the FDA. So we got that third um, vaccination coming to the United States. I appreciate that. I it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we're all sitting here thinking, um, when does this get behind us? And then yesterday, someone like Fauci, and I don't know if it was Fauci. I'm pretty sure it was Fauci. So they're like, oh, we're going to be wearing masks well into 2022. And you're like, oh, boo, boo. Even if we're vaccinated, yes. I'm not really booing it. Please wear a mask. Keep people safe. But uh, I just don't like having to wear them. I'm very stylishly attracted to masks. Just don't like having to. It's like the seatbelt thing. Um, where I know it's a good idea, go ask Tiger Woods, but um, we'll talk to Tiger later in the show. So financials are doing quite well right now. Energy stocks and industrials, they're continuing to outperform. 
communication services, technology, utilities, and consumer discretionary are underperforming at this point in time. How comfortable are you with what I just ultimately had to say there um, with the outperformance? I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down, but uh, there's something there that every dog has its day, and we almost need to let some other sectors shine right now, like financials. If I could take big tech from the last three years versus underperforming, I'd take that deal. And I'm almost thinking, be ready for a little bit longer period of a run. So Goldman Sachs has a funny list out that I, I always hate, but I'm always attracted to. I don't know if you're picking up my thought here, but it's the 38 cheap stocks set to sto- uh, soar as the world's largest economies reopen, including one with potential of 65% returns. Oh, before I even get into that, UK Prime Minister, or no, not Prime Minister, uh, Premier, Boris Johnson. What's up with his hair? Does he intentionally do that? Is that modeled after anyone? Don't! I just, I don't get it. I look at it, I like, how do you do that? Is that blow-dried? Anyway, um... 39 stocks, a list of stocks to buy. 38 from Goldman Sachs. Number one on the, on the list is Airbus. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if Boeing's going to be on it. Because they're in similar businesses, right? But ultimately, Goldman Sachs is, is putting together a list of European stocks, which, oh, I get it now. You're looking for the non-US exposure play. And I get it. I like it. Um, we can talk a little bit about lists like this if you want to. Many of these names you won't know, like ISS, um, Prosecutor Group, where they're kind of on the boring side. Some international stocks are a little bit easier to understand, like Diageo. They make a lot of alcohol. Pernod Ricard, same thing. Anyway, we'll take a break here. We'll be right back. I'm Rob Black. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union, with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. Financial. Money invested in and more. Yesterday, I turned on the news, the news news, after ending my show and Tiger Woods was in the news. Um, and you're like, whoa, Tiger Woods in a car crash. And you're like, okay, your phone starts blowing up a little bit. Perhaps it was a little bit more than a year ago. And it was. My phone started blowing up. Kobe Bryant, helicopter crash. More details to follow. Fortunately for Tiger Woods, it appears that he will live. I don't know the whole story. 
had a very dark feeling all day yesterday because the news was never being updated. Tiger Woods car crash, Tiger Woods leg accidents. Um, you're like, okay, I wonder if he's going to keep the legs. Like I went dark fast. You might remember a couple of years ago, the PGA had an issue where a caddy was started developing a muscular disease over his lifetime. Not a caddy, but a player. Then the PGA said he has to carry his own bag or something along those lines. He had to walk the course. So instantly I was like, Tiger's done. Um, legs are important in golf. And I'm like, I wonder how I feel about that. And again, I could be wrong on all of this. He probably has his legs. And his legs can probably be repaired and play golf. But instantly I'm going, he's done. So yesterday may be the end of a storied career. The man won 15 majors. He was involved in the headline news with PGA for, you know, he, I mean, I'm not saying he made it, but he's, we'll talk about that. Tiger will never, ever attend events like he used to on a regular basis. He had already started ramping down his career, recovering from back surgery after back surgery after back surgery. This quickly reminds me, physically, you're not going to be able to hold yourself together forever. Professional athletes have a much tougher time of it, obviously, as they're putting more torque on everything, right? Um, Think about disability insurance. One of my biggest fears from age 20 to 50 was, what if I get in a car crash and I can't go to work? I'm not good looking, but I am in radio and uh, television. Uh, They support my career for sure, right? I have to have the ability to like deliver physically. I think you don't see a lot of Americans with disabilities in radio and television, do you? Which is pretty interesting now that I think about it. It almost makes me want to start stuttering or developing a stutter. No, 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 no. I need to behave myself. I'm not not going in that dark world. So Tiger Woods was the first athlete to reach one billion in career earnings. Isn't that something? And we saw Tiger Woods grow up on the Merv Griffin show playing golf when he was like four or five years old and Johnny Carson and things like that. Billion dollars, first athlete. Good for him. The 45-year-old survived several scandals. Remember, he had a driving under the influence in Florida not that long ago. He's got a country club. He was divorced. You know, he doesn't have a country club. He's got a, a restaurant in Florida or something. I, this, even the story is murky now. He's got his new girlfriend. His bartender was serving. Like, what, no, what's happening here? No. Um, he's had a couple road issues in his life, to say the least road issues it's one thing i'm not i'm not a bad driver i'm just a boring boring driver so will tiger woods be able to play and earn money again disability insurance one of my big fears has always been the ability to not be able to go to work the nice thing about it is typically if you work for oh i better be careful there i was gonna say a legit company if you have a career and you're a 40 hour a week salaried employee, sometimes the benefits usually offer disability insurance and you should take it up on it. Disability insurance is a, probably one of the biggest reasons people go poor in their lifetime. Tiger Woods won't go poor. His sponsors, in fact, will probably stand by him. Going forward, 
any sort of appearance that he makes, even he shows up in waves, there'll be Nike got their red on kind of thing. But you and I aren't so lucky. And we also didn't earn a billion dollars. Think about that for just a second. By 2019, he was a billion. Oh, I'm sorry, 2009, he was a billionaire. Or he'd pulled in a billion. We don't know about his spending, right? Or his investing. Which is a quick reminder that your ability to earn income is probably your biggest asset. That's why I keep saying get disability insurance or make sure you have disability insurance or review your disability insurance. When you sign up for a company and they go, oh, by the way, if you, uh, if you get dismembered, we're going to give you a million dollars. You're like, what? Whoever gets their head cut off. And you're almost like, I don't even know if I want to sign this. But the flukier the type of insurance, the more the payout could be, or sometimes I guess you'd say the more the premium would be. But you're not likely to be disabled. But if you do, it's going to financially hurt you. You're much more likely to be disabled than to die. Now, I like to ski. And my big fear is running into a tree. And here's a weird question for you. Would I rather be disabled or would I rather die? I've lived enough life. I've, I've seen the beautiful world that we live in from all aspects, right? Um, it's a joke that I used to bring up on radio that I, I guess I should bring up one more time because it's, it's a quick reminder. Um, my spouse, let's say we're driving and I clutch my heart. and I'm like, hospital, heart attack. I don't ever want her to be in the situation where she goes, okay, I know a heart attack is going to cost at least $100,000 in hospital bills. He may not get back to work. I never want anyone to have that kind of decision. Do you have any decisions I see made about finances when it comes to people dying? More than you'd know. It's, it's, it's more than you'd think. It's, it's actually kind of tragic. But I want my spouse. Am I worth more dead than alive? I don't know. It's a good question to have with your spouse, though. Um, and a good communication, like, I don't want to linger kind of thing. Eh. So disability insurance, super important. Are you worth more from life insurance or are you worth more from disability insurance? Um, you see a lot of people in California, not in California, but a lot of people in the United States who get disability and then they like it because they don't have to go back to work. They're making some money, but then they do have to go back to work at some period of time when they're considered better. It's a pretty hot topic. But how do you feel about Tiger Woods golf? Billion dollars in earnings. Uh, will the PGA ever be the same without him? He's one of the greatest golfers. Very competitive. Um, we'll talk about this and more. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. 
Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, I wanted to talk and I've been kind of been building up. Uh, 2021 is well underway at this point in time. And it feels like the um, financial media is saying that the transition from big tech momentum, NASDAQ growth stocks might be going to financials. It might be going to oil. It might be going to reopening ideas. Um, what's your general like uh, water cooler banter? What, what's the feeling you're seeing out there, sir? Well, it's it's uh, it's all over stock monitors, really. Um, you know, the S and P 500 energy sector is it's up 30 percent year to date. Um, you know, and you look at the uh, the technology sector is you know it's up one percent year to date. Right, financials up 12 percent. The Russell 2000 up 13 and a half percent. Um, so you can definitely see it in, you know, it's not just talk, it's, it's action, you know, um, whether it's retail investors, institutional investors, you know, fund managers, what have you, uh, there's been a clear, um, preference for the, the reopening trade and, and that being those stocks that are deemed to have the most leverage to reopening. And so you're seeing a lot of money. Uh, favor those cyclical and value names, uh, as well as the small caps, which tend to be more domestically oriented. And, uh, and it's really just kind of, you know, I mean, the, let's not forget too, Rob. I mean, it, it has paid in spades to own these growth stocks and these tech stocks. Uh, let's just say going back to 2009 when the Fed, you know, came up with its answer to the financial crisis, right? So, um, so kind of what we're seeing now is just a little bit of a changing of the guard, if you will, uh, in terms of um, what market participants perceive as a better total return opportunity, and uh, and that's where they're going. Um, that could change, of course, but you know one of the things that these growth stocks are are running up against now, of course, is with the reopening, you have interest rates rising, uh, and uh, as those rates go up. Uh, it becomes a little more difficult to rationalize some of these stretched valuations predicated on, uh, you know, future cash flows. So one of my opening monologues when I do the show is something along the lines of right now, it keeps coming back again and again and again. It would be okay if we did a shift from growth, if the NASDAQ took a cool down period, if the big five, the Amazons, the Googles, um, the Apples just were to chill for a little bit and let a transition happen, let it be healthy. And again, that's what the, the question I have for you is if we do transition to, say, letting financials be the winner this year, is it healthy in your mind or is, is it long overdue? What's the phrase that comes to your mind? Um, is it a value trap maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's, I would say that it is, you know, it's a healthy type of um, act in the sense that uh, as we're talking of, about bull markets, right, you know, you can have money that uh, rotates out of the stock market altogether, right? You can either go to cash and go to bonds, you know, uh, other other areas. But, you know, in a healthy bull market, what you just see is a rotation within the market itself, and uh, and so there's a reallocation, a redistribution of funds moving from some of these areas that were benefiting when uh, growth wasn't expected to be, you know, that great uh, into those areas that will benefit when growth accelerates. Uh, and and it's just it's, it's a manifestation of of the 
uh, strong belief embedded in this market that 2021 is going to be a year of strong growth uh, as you, you know, get the vaccine distribution ramped up uh, as, you know, more businesses kind of open up, uh, you know, uh, adding capacity. And then as you see travel resume, things like that. So, so it's a, it's, it's a natural circumstance. And I think it's a reflection that this market is still ultimately bullish uh, on on overall prospects because that money continues to rotate, you know, within the stock market as opposed to mm-hmm. just exiting stage left in a hurry um, uh, all across the board. Interesting stuff. The 10-year treasury hitting 1.4%. That's been a pretty bold move the way I see it. I thought it would have crept up a little bit slower. Maybe I was wanting that versus expecting it. Um, what do you think about the ten-year Treasury and some of the the other forces involving the market right now? You know, potentially two trillion dollars or almost two trillion dollars of stimulus, uh, monetary policy that's incredibly easing, but the ten-year is telling us, hey, the economy's doing it. The ten-year is marching and telling us maybe the economy's going to be doing pretty darn good in six months, regardless. Yeah, well, I think you know, uh, rising rates and the and the pace at which they go up. Can be the great spoiler in 2021. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think uh, you know what we've seen here a little bit. We've seen a kind of a little bit of a some nervous excitement. You know that uh, you know the the pace at which the ten years gone up in, in the early part of this year has has contributed to the narrative that well maybe these higher valued stocks you know probably can't run like they used to. You know we should take some money off the table there, and that's and that's what's happening. You know. Um, I think if you, you know, you see an acceleration in the 10 year above 2%, uh, then it goes, uh, you know, that, that mentality starts to seep into, you know, into more, uh, broader areas of the market, right? Where it becomes a, a, a true headwind. But it's something you got to watch really carefully because, um, you know, we're hearing from Fed Chair Powell that, you know, he's not concerned about inflation, but that doesn't mean that the market isn't concerned about inflation. Okay. And if the market decides to, uh, I guess, price matters into its own hands as it relates to inflation fears, uh, and you get a rapid run up in long term rates, you know, the Fed will have some problems on its hands trying to control those inflation expectations and, and things will get, you know, more volatile and you'll probably see, uh, you know, more roller coaster trading action. And so it's just something that, you know, we obviously have to be kept uh, a close watch on, but, but you should, you know, that all said, you should see a rise in interest rates right now. Um, if, if, this, if this economic forecast is going to come to fruition like the market thinks, where you have, you know, four or five, six percent GDP growth, um, you know, a nominal 10 year yield at, you know, 1.4 percent just doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. And so the path of least resistance really for rates, uh, you know, should be higher. And it's just uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how much or how little resistance there is in that upward track that's going to help dictate how the stock market behaves uh, in coming months. I like what you're throwing down. The, the, the line of interest rates could be the great spoiler of 2021. I like it. For some reason, it's jiving in my head of like, uh, remember that or write that down. Other things that we're paying attention to, Patrick O'Hare, is there anything on your radar? Um, we're out of earnings season. We're kind of first hundred days of Biden. Anything economically, anything out there that you want to point our attention to? Well, I, yeah, I would remind listeners, you know, uh, what we saw 
in you know January, the early part of this month, and you saw a nice, pretty. You know, January didn't end so well, but of course, then you had a nice big move up in February, right? And and in that move up in February, you heard a, a number of well-heeled investors, you know, kind of come out and say, "Hey, valuations don't matter." Um, you know, you and I, Rob, we talked about uh, Mark Cuban one day several weeks <laughs> ago. Uh, make reference to that fact. Now he was talking about stocks that don't pay a dividend, and I kind of. I get where he's coming from and, and kind of making that argument. Um, but I, what I remember saying to you then, and what I will always say uh, as a fundamentally oriented analyst, is that valuations always matter. And it's just sometimes they can be set aside for an extended period. But, you know, we're seeing it right now. We saw it yesterday morning when you had the mega cap stocks and the growth stocks are kind of like greater. Uh, over some interest rate concerns and what we're talking about today as interest rates go up, uh, you know, questions come into play about, you know, uh, future cash flows and, and that's all a valuation, uh, uh, based perspective. And so that again is why, you know, we have to keep close watch on interest rates, um, because valuations do matter. They will matter. And, uh, and if interest rates get going up, you know, too quickly, you're going to see them matter across the board and not just in the, you know, the one pocket that being, you know, mega cap stocks and, and growth stocks. It's like the old uh, phrase, you know, it can go up until it doesn't. Um, thanks very mm-hmm. much. Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Great insights today on the market. And uh, I missed him last week. So to catch up, um, the whole transition thing, it's it's not going to be a one-week period. It's not going to be a two-week period. And in no way, shape, or form does it preclude you from the idea of buying the dips. Just know that <clears throat> the market is pretty heavily focused on these re- reopening trades. When we talk about reopening trades, we could talk about um, some that have some growth to them and some that have some value. But the reopening is showing us signs of life as he talked about GDP growth in the 4 to 5 to 6% rate. And now, again, this is going to be just weird for the history books because we're going to be like, why did we have 5% GDP growth? It's because, A, we're coming off this economic shutdown during COVID um, coupled with the U.S. economy is pretty good overall going into it. And as it bounces back, it should be get back to those pretty good levels. Just record amounts of stimulus. And prolonged periods of time of low interest rates. But the interest rates are picking up on it and going, aha, we see what's going to happen here. We're going to go back to a more – it's fallen into place in my opinion. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Some of the things Patrick just said, fundamentals always matter. Valuation always matters. Just sometimes we set it aside. Those that's that's priceless to me. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. Let's put a bow on it.
I don't want to keep pounding this, but I yet keep pounding it, which tells me subliminally that's what I'd want to do. Tech stocks are dragged lower at this point in time as treasury yields are putting pressure on what are concerned risk, considered risky assets. So you may not think of a tech stock as a risky asset. You may go, oh, it's just an Apple phone, therefore it's just an Apple computer. Um, anything that can fall 10% in one minute to me is a risky asset. It's like, do you ever see those pictures of houses on the side of mountains and you're like, uh, or the people who sleep in tents on the side of a mountain? I'm like, yeah, that's a risky that's a risky house, or that's a risky sleeping scenario for me, especially since I like to get up and move in the middle of the night. Okay, so right now, as the movement in bonds is to create a higher yield, some people might look around and say, you know what, I've got a million dollars. I've made a lot of money in the last 10 years. I'm going to put some of that in a bond because I used to only be able to get half of 1%, but now I can get 1.5%. It becomes even more attractive as it moves up to 2.5%. And again, it, it, it's kind of a curb appeal thing where everyone wants it the higher it goes. And in theory, there's only so much money in the world to chase after these riskier assets. Um, and how do I put this? Like, um, It's the same idea of buying a house. If you buy a house in a good school district, you always have that going for you. Same idea with to pay attention to with 10-year treasury of keep an eye on it because as a riskier asset – it's a riskier asset to say, I'm going to buy into a brand-new neighborhood that has no schools. It's a safer asset to say, I'm going to buy into a home that's close to a great school system. You already cut down some of your risk because you know someone may want to buy your home to put their kids in that school district. So we're kind of at this weird feeling, and I'm feeling a little bit of it. It's been a long time since I've said 1.4% of the 10-year treasury to the point that I almost find it attractive. And then I need to slap myself and go, what are you talking about, Rob? You like stocks under 3.5%. You don't like stocks when the 10-year treasury is at 1.4%. Anyhow, I loved what Patrick O'Hare said when he goes, the 10-year treasury could be the great spoiler of 2021. I don't want to put – this is not a fear segment. This is not a Nostradamus segment. I'm not predicting the end of the bull market. But the bull market could be killed by a March higher 10-year interest rates. Now, again, I still don't feel that 1.4% is quite attractive enough for me to say, let's take money out of the 401k and park it into bond. It's not the white of their eyes, so to speak, but you don't have to play the game of the white of their eyes because there's going to be some people who automatically want to. 1.4 is better than one half. 2.4 is better than 1.4. Two, eh, now that it's pulled back, I'm going to lock in two versus 2.4. So we're going to keep an eye on that bouncing ball. Speaking of bouncing balls, Bitcoin rebounded back above 50,000 after more buying of the cryptocurrency from Square. More media pundits, is that the right way of putting it? Financial pundits are saying they don't understand it. Nuriel Rubini, who's also known as Dr. Doom, you imagine? No, he's not Dr. Doom. He's Dr. Gloom. Excuse me. Or he's Dr. Doom and Gloom. He's one of those people who um, thinks that the world's heading down a path of economic destruction because of the way we spend money as a world and the way we print money as a world. I'm 
but he 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 bashed Bitcoin, saying it's it's really not a hedge against inflation <clears throat> because when stocks go up, it goes up. So he doesn't like the way it behaves, and he says it has no store of value. So more pundits are saying, "Beware, beware, beware." Is that going to stop you, or does that stop it from going to hundred thousand this year? <clears throat> that's the going. That's not the going bet. Let's like, um, for the Super Bowl next year. Right after the Chiefs lost, a lot of money went to the Chiefs. But then, as they got a little further away, some of that money is now saying, "Hey, the Buccaneers are going to win next year." And no one's saying anything about Aaron Rodgers. Like they they see that as a mess. I know you're saying that Shailene Woodley story kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? It did. Um, <clears throat> so now I'm I'm out for good. But um, Bitcoin. The whole 50,000, I would say the, the prop bet right now, is it a prop bet? I think uh, the over-under is 100,000. Uh, does it get over 100,000 or does it stay under 100,000? And it's at 50,000 right now. Do you know how ridiculous it is that we're talking like this? And that's why the economic and the monetary pundits out there are saying, be careful. Um, so such a small amount of spending. And then Square comes in and buys more of it. And you're like, oh, you're killing us. So as we get that, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we should be more careful. Uh, we get that almost a cheerleader maneuver. Just throwing that out there. Um, back to the 10-year treasury. I still think that it's low enough that you favor stocks over bonds, generally speaking. Except for if you're risk-averse, right now it's the sign that, hey, you can, you can move some of your risk to 1.4%. Now, if you're like thirsty for more risk, you're like, ah, I'll do that at three and a half percent. Somewhere in between is where most of us are. But if you're risk averse, I don't want to lose any of the money that I'm in in the stock market. You see, 1.4 percent is that's been a big march from 0.6. And I'm not saying 1.4 percent is the magic number. I'm, I'm saying the march from 0.6 is. The, the speed that we've gone from the U.S. economy is in perilous to horrible shape to we're thinking that it's looking better to the we're bringing up questions about inflation. This could be a big shift in the market. Now, again, does it end the secular bull market? No. I still think we have very low interest rates, very low inflation, high productivity. We've got plenty of innovation right here, right now. But we do need to get through this COVID issue and then realistically have an economy versus an economy inflated by trillions of dollars of government money, which should create inflation, which should be a hedge for gold versus the stock market. But Bitcoin's messing it all up. That's where my thoughts are. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Get the of your life that you know that I never did. Hey, ladies, get funky.